Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Welcome to this episode with me, Jack Kavanagh. Today, we are joined by the inspiring Stacey Bradish, and we will be discussing her cancer journey. Cancer certainly does not discriminate on age or stage of life. In this episode, we explore balancing being a health professional, a patient and a person, the role of creativity in her healing and well-being during her cancer treatment and afterwards, the realities of returning to workplace as well as the incredible work she's now doing to support others on their cancer journey. Stacy is an inspiring young person, and I've no doubt that she will add huge value to you too. Enjoy. Stacy Bradish, you are very welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm really good. Really good at the moment. Yeah, How are and, you doing? and I'm... I'm great and I'm so delighted that you're actually in a position to say that and I mean it <laughs> because Me too. like so many of us you've had uh, an interesting journey um, over the past year of COVID um, but mm-hmm. maybe actually a little bit before that as well um, and just for context for people uh, what age are you now where are you speaking to us from and uh, and then we might explore a little bit about Stacey and, and, and what's been going on. So I'm 23 and I'm from Dublin, Ireland. So yeah, and I'm in my parents' in my grandparents' bedroom at the moment. But, um, but yeah, um, so when I was 21, um, I was interrailing at the time and I started to get kind of some strange sort of symptoms I was getting kind of really strange kind of like cough and was really struggling to breathe especially when I was trying to sleep and when I was lying down and you know I kind of just thought it was something small like a a chest infection or you know I thought it might be asthma like I wasn't really you know thinking too much of it to be honest I think being in college at the time it just wasn't really something that I was thinking too much into you know I was so focused on on that but I thought I'd like go to my college doctor anyway and just get it checked out and ended up getting a chest x-ray and they found a 10 centimeter uh, tumor in my chest so um yeah that was definitely a huge shock you know when you're 21 and you're kind of I think you kind of have this like vision in your head of how like you know you're a plan for your life for the next few years and I think that that was kind of just just threw everything up in the air for me absolutely like uh, I can't imagine that moment of you know, going in thinking maybe that you've got um, a bit of asthma or a bad chest infection Mm -hmm. and uh, something very different transpiring. And there's an interesting piece here that you at the time were training to be a health professional yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you were just had gone into final year at that point, I think, had you? I had yeah I just started final year and um yeah I've been kind of like you know planning out my clinical placements and you know for where I would work you know 
for that year in the hospital and um and that was kind of what was on my mind the whole time I don't think you know I ever thought of you know me the possibility of me actually being in the hospital myself um but yeah it was it was such a strange one I guess you know when you're working in hospital yourself you know actually having to be in hospital it's just it's kind of such a strange it's such a strange place to be tell me how things kind of transpired and and then you can like let us in on what does it actually mean to go from being the health professional to maybe being the patient and um and what that experience is like yeah it was it was really strange because I guess you know you're in that mindset of um you know help like being there to help other people and I think even I'd actually done my I'd done kind of a short placement in that hospital where I'd had my chest x-ray and everything. Um, so, you know, I kind of knew that hospital inside out and it was, you know, a place that I had treated other, you know, treated patients. And, you know, that was kind of the mindset I was in, I think, when I even went in there for my scan, you know, it, it kind of felt like a workplace rather than, you know, somewhere for me to go because I'm sick, you know, and, um, so I remember when they kind of told me, you know, how sick I actually was, it, you know, it was kind of such a strange experience and it was really hard, I think, to kind of get out of that mindset of like, okay, no way, I'm here actually for me now, <laughs> like I'm here to be treated myself. And um, yeah, it's, it really is a strange one. I know that you would have kind of a similar experience with that as well. Like it's, yeah, it is. A- I- Absolutely. And I, like I, for context, in my own story, I had a spinal injury when I was 20 and ended up really at that point, I was studying to be a pharmacist and, and found myself then lying in, in the bed with all the health professionals around me. And um, I can remember this sense of going um, into the p- patient mentality. Um, mm-hmm. And I was so grateful that I had healthcare training because it gave me a language to interact with the other professionals and ask questions and probe and challenge in a way that maybe I hadn't before uh, and that other people may not have had which I felt very lucky to have actually and the other side of it was that I got quite frustrated because I really wanted people to remember that I was a person as well as a patient and so I just didn't want to be talked about but I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard and I was a person going through this really challenging experience uh, and and I can see that in your story as well. Um, so at what point did, did it kind of transpire that you were going to need treatment and um and what did that mean in terms of putting college on on hold and and so on yeah so i was training um to be a cardiac physiologist so um in final year it's kind of split so you start off with lectures for half the year and then you go and you do your placement your final year placement so um you know when i started off and i was told you know you'll need four to six months of chemotherapy and then possibly radiation afterwards. And I think you kind of, I think I was in this mindset where I just thought, okay, four to six months, like I'll get through it. And, you know, 
I'll just continue on with college and I kind of I think I I didn't realize how hard it would actually be until you know I started that treatment and so then I think maybe a month after that um, of trying to go into college when I could and I realized that you know the best option for me was taking that year out and just focusing on getting better rather than having all that pressure on top of you know a really tough time (laughs) as well so I think that was kind of the best decision for me at the time and um, it really gave me a chance to to just focus on myself and kind of I think get out of that mindset as well of I think if I had have been a healthcare provider and you know a patient myself it would have been really really tough and um, but I think to kind of look after myself and kind of learn to learn to deal with that was really helpful and I think what you said before about having that kind of language and being able to to ask the right questions and kind of know that little bit more from a healthcare standpoint was really really helpful as well and I think as well when you know when you're speaking to doctors or nurses and they know that you kind of understand it from that you know from that side of things as well they're a lot more open to explaining you know your treatments and um about what's kind of going on um from a more medical like standpoint which I think also was really helpful um, and I can only imagine how hard it is when you don't have that and you don't know the right questions to ask as well. You know, I think a lot of people, it's such a scary experience, especially when you're so young and you're in a hospital and you might have never been really in a hospital for anything serious before. It is just such a strange one and it's hard to it's hard to kind of get your head around for a while, I think. Yeah, completely. And 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 so the the diagnosis comes back as Hodgkin's lymphoma and um and I think you've even talked about this that that one or two people said oh that's the good cancer to get mm-hmm. um when yeah. when in reality there's no good cancer to get exactly and and the big thing is here is that um even thinking like that invalidates how challenging any health diagnosis can be regardless of its cancer or not um so many of the people listening here will be uh, coming to this podcast through their workplace. And uh, the reason that I think you've got such an interesting lens on this is that you're a young person going through this challenging time. You've got the perspective of of health professional and person experiencing the diagnosis. Um, but also that you emerge after taking this time uh, for treatment and and healing uh, and recovery and so on and move back into the workplace and that is something that I don't think a lot of people speak about actually is is the challenges that come with that but before we go there um what I'd love to do and this segment is is called real life is to explore maybe just how challenging um, some of those treatment protocols can be because we hear somebody has cancer and maybe we don't understand just how how challenging some of those elements can be for for you in terms of your energy levels and what it what it does yeah um definitely and I think especially what you were saying about um from the day that I was diagnosed and actually I didn't even have a diagnosis yet and um, 
I was told that I had a mass in my chest and they were pretty sure that it was, you know, something that, um, you know, some sort of kind of um, tumour, but they they weren't 100% sure because they had to do a biopsy. Um, but from that time, I had been told by, you know, um, emergency medicine doctors in A&E um, that day that I first found that out, you know, oh, well, if you're going to get cancer like this is one of the best ones to get. And, you know, like, um, you know, it's, you know, this is like, if you're going to get cancer, this is the best one. And like, you know, things and like when you're just told something so serious and like so life changing and for someone to kind of talk it down like that, um, I think was really hard because I was like, I hadn't even come to terms with it yet. And it didn't turn out to be, you know, like an easy <laughs> kind of experience. And I... I was kind of, I think, unlucky with kind of how the treatment protocol went for me. I started chemo two weeks later and usually you kind of have a little bit more time than that, but because it was affecting my breathing and I was so sick, they had to start very quickly. Um, and I didn't get time to do certain things like um, even things like freeze my eggs for like fertility reasons or, you know, check things like my heart and my lungs beforehand it was like I had to just go straight in with it and I remember like starting it and just it's just so strange like I was inpatient in hospital and you just have these like leaders and leaders of like this to these toxic drugs like being pumped into you and you just feel so exhausted and so sick and um and like it isn't just when you're getting it you know like it's those like effects last for you know the next week and a half maybe and then you go back and you get it again um and it turned out for me that you know you you get scans as you go along to see how well the treatment is working but it ended up that it wasn't really working as well as they'd hoped so that first chemo that I got had only shrunk it to like half the size when they'd wanted to obviously get rid of it completely um and so they had to kind of decide then if I would continue on with that or if I'd switch to something stronger. But I continued on with it for another two months. So that was four months in total. And it ended up those two months were kind of for nothing because um, nothing changed then in that time. So I ended up having to switch to that stronger chemo anyway. And I think that was when it got really, really tough. Um, it was like a regimen of seven different chemotherapy drugs and um oh I just remember I would like go in and then I'd be so sick and you know I remember there was one I think it was the first time that I got it and I was I got sick like I think it was like 20 times in the space of three hours and I had to go to A&E and I was on a trolley overnight like this was you know and I was terrified because my bloods were so low and you know it, it's very dangerous if you catch anything when you're on chemo so I was in A&E with like you know on a trolley in a corridor and then the next morning I had to go back in and get more chemo and like it was just it was just such a horrible experience um and I was just I was in I was in hospital more than I was out of hospital during that time and I think I don't think I realized before I started you know especially with like people like Mel you know healthcare professionals telling me that it was going to be I guess it was an easy diagnosis or something that was you know not going to be you know I don't know the way they spoke about it it sounded like it was going to be a lot easier um but it definitely isn't and you know even things like losing your hair and you know um kind of like your body image you know that kind of thing alone 
um, I think it's really difficult for someone that's so young as well. And then on top of that, being so exhausted and so unwell and, you know, just it's, it's just such a really tough thing to go through. And I think having people like the people who are looking after you kind of talk down about it, it kind of makes you nearly I think it can make you kind of afraid to really complain about it because you feel like, oh, well, then there's people who have it worse, you know. And I think that is something that's really important. And I think now that when I go back to work in a hospital, I think that's something that I'm going to be so aware of and um, of making sure that I never talk down about you know anything because I think you know everything's relative and you know something that's really tough for one person you know or something that's really easy for one person might be really difficult for someone else and you can't really compare yeah I I'm with you on on that that it's all relative and and you know I often would joke that you know one person breaking a fingernail is the equivalent <laughs> of another person uh uh breaking a leg you know and it's it's all dependent mm. on on what you've been exposed to in terms of hardship um and, and challenges in your life um talk to me about the role that creativity played as you went through all of this time and and maybe what came out of that sound space will return after this brief message Hi everyone, my name is Anita Fletcher. I'm a parent and coach and mother of four. I'd like to tell you about a podcast that I'll be hosting called Family Life, which is part of the Sound Space series. During my Family Life podcast, I'll be chatting with real people and experts covering a lot of topics, such as the important role that parents play in the workplace. Should BMI be used against people when they're trying to adopt in Ireland and toxic stress in families? We have an array of fabulous guests, including sleep expert Lucy Wolf, parenting expert and author Dr. Mary O'Kane, NHS nurse and dietitian Lucy Upton, and fertility expert Helena Tuberty. I myself look forward to chatting with all of these fabulous guests, and I hope to connect with a lot of you along the way. So I'll see you at Family Life as part of this Sound Space series. Yeah. Um, so during my treatment, I guess, and I guess before that as well, like even for college, I always kind of, I love journaling and, um, you know, I would always keep note of everything, you know, always had lists <laughs> for everything that I did. Um, and I think during treatment, I found that it really helped to write down, you know, what symptoms I was having, you know, having kind of everything in one place, you know, what, medications I needed to take what days I was having treatment and then what the side effects were on what days so then the next time I would have treatment I would have an idea of what I was kind of you know in for and I guess going through treatment I just kind of I ended up with this kind of journal of of all of these things that I'd written down throughout my treatment and you know some of the things I found quite helpful and some of them probably not so much but I guess I kind of came up with the idea at the end that you know, maybe this would be helpful for someone else if, you know, some of this kind of stuff would be helpful. So I decided to come up with kind of a journal that might be a bit easier. You know, you don't have to just write down like lists and things into, you know, a blank journal. And, you know, I kind of made a place for, you know, keeping track of important contacts, you know, medical details, your medications and, 
you know symptoms appointments and and yeah I published a journal called um my plan planner and and yeah I've I'm really happy with how it's going. I actually, there's actually a charity in the UK um, called Cancer Fund for Children. And they've actually, you know, bought a good few of them to, to give to young cancer patients. And, and yeah, it just, it just feels really great being able to kind of, I guess, for something good to come of something really <laughs> difficult. I think to be able to do something with that was really helpful for me as well. And it kind of gave me something to work on. And um, those few months that I was out of treatment and I was quite, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I kind of just wanted something to focus on. So um, it was really helpful for me as well. And it's really nice that um, hopefully it can help some other people too. Yeah. Now it's funny because I think you're completely underselling this thing. Um, <laughs> um, so so when, when Stacey says she journals, um, what she really means is that uh, she, she produces artwork daily. <laughs> um uh, she, she journals uh using calligraphy pens and and all sorts and uh her daily output nearly looks like a masterpiece oh well i'd be selling it um Thank you. so uh so for that to translate into something that um is both uh beautiful and incredibly useful for other people going through a cancer diagnosis is is so wonderful because it brings things full circle in in a really nice way where you say you know one of the phrases you have in in um your journal uh, your handwritten journal is we grow through what we go through and yeah. here's a here's a wonderful example of that and on how that's translated to others um you know It'd be one thing to do it just for for cancer, but you also did it for those dealing with uh, chronic illnesses. And I think what's beautiful about these calendars is that they're not just symptom trackers and for increasing sort of self-awareness. They're actually incredible tools for well-being during a really difficult time. Um, So what kind of... um, feedback have you gotten on it and what other elements of of a person's well-being do these journals consider yeah no that's it's so true um I think even just taking that time out you know at the end of the day to to kind of look back and to kind of reflect on how you're feeling and you know kind of how your day went because it's not just about how you're feeling or how you know your medications and things that you're keeping track of um, you know, just to kind of take that time out to kind of reflect on your day, I think is so important. And um, and yeah, like you said, I've I've you know gotten some feedback from from both the the cancer journal and the chronic illness journal, and it's just so nice to hear that it's it is helping people kind of in the way that my journal helped me because I know, you know, I. I don't know I've always been such a you know I've been so into journaling like kind of my whole life and I think but I think especially when you're going through something and it can be kind of hard to to kind of wrap your head around and to reflect on it and to just take that time out of your day I think it kind of gives you the chance to do that and and to kind of keep everything in one place and you know to keep kind of your I guess kind of mental health side of things and physical health side of things all in one place and also just 
how you're doing in general rather than just kind of physical and mental health separately and um, but I think yeah it's it's so nice to see that it's it's helping other people as well and um and yeah it just makes me so happy to kind of get feedback like that from people yeah well it's well deserved um so as you then go through the pandemic year that we've all been through and you're coming out of your tra- treatment phase and and happily uh, the results start to get better and better um which is which is just such a relief for you and those supporting you your family and and all your friends and um and it's exactly what what we want to see and and then comes entering back into your final year of of college again um <laughs> I'm, probably the the most daunting part of that is going back in to do your final uh placement on on training um because i'm gonna say spoiler alert um you you've qualified and um (laughs) spoiler uh spoiler uh thesis submitted um everything has gone to plan and uh you'll be starting your first official job but you're working the whole way through this so what are some of the the real world challenges for um that for example you experienced and that others should be aware of of those maybe returning to a workplace and following an experience of cancer like you had um talk to us a little bit about that yeah um i think it can be really scary um you know when you've had a year of all you kind of focus on and all that you're all that you're interested in is getting better and um and that's all that's on your mind and that's kind of like your end goal and once you get to that it's kind of like okay whoa <laughs> like what do I do now um and it can feel really overwhelming and you know you don't feel back to yourself like the way you were before treatment and you don't feel you know you don't know what you're capable of anymore and I know I just felt like I didn't know if I was if I was even able to do the work that I would need to do and I was doubting myself a lot and and then you're also worried about how other people will see you because you know you you know that they're going to know what you've been through and how that will affect their opinion of you and you know if they'll kind of you know feel like you're not going to be capable of certain things um because you just at the end of the day you just want to be treated like yourself you know you just want to be treated like a person and you don't want to be um treated in a certain way because of what you've been through um and I think that's what I think I was most worried about going back um and then as well as all of that you know the fatigue that I was still experiencing and you know how I would you know by the end of the day I'd be so exhausted um and I think going into that for the first time it can be really scary and it can be scary to ask for you know for help because then you feel like you're that's kind of a weakness or that's something that you know you should be embarrassed about or that you shouldn't show and um but thankfully they were so amazing and like even college was so accommodating you know I think when you are really open about um what you've been through in your experience I think people really respect that and you know for the most part I know it can depend on where you are but um in my experience anyway I think the more open you are about it and 
just telling people what you need from them I think can be really helpful because otherwise you know I think people don't really know and sometimes they're afraid to ask but if you're open about it and you you make it very like if you make them very aware of what you need I think it's it's really helpful and even things like I did I asked for an extension on my thesis just because I wasn't sure if I'd need it but I was like I'm better off asking for it early so that I'm giving myself that extra you know kind of um that extra time so I won't be putting pressure on myself on placement and you know um I also asked could I work um like nine to five sorry eight to four instead of nine to five so that I wouldn't be traveling um on busy areas you know on buses because I was worried about you know my immune system is still quite low and things like that and I think it's just really important to be able to ask for those things and because most of the time you know they'll want to help you in any way that they can and but it can be scary though asking for those things especially when you're not fully comfortable with it yourself yet and you're still kind of coming to terms with everything yeah um I think meeting it's so important that your needs are met you know your fundamental needs to keep you well and healthy as possible are met because if you're not in that position of being healthy and well you can't fulfill the job spec and 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 that's what both of you want you know you want to be in there and uh, be contributing in the way that you know you can but in order to do that you might just need a few little tweaks um, as to how how you approach the way that you do that 23 now you were 21 when this all kicked off yeah what are some of the things that you've learned that you will carry forward with you I think one of the the big things that we were kind of talking about earlier is everyone's experience is so different and you know I think especially when you're working in healthcare to kind of realize that you know something that might be small for some for one person can be so big to someone else and to kind of always take things seriously you know if someone especially in healthcare because I think people can be kind of I guess if they're you know if something seems small their worries can be kind of diminished a little bit but I feel like it's so important to kind of to just take people as they are and to to take if someone has a problem to really kind of take it seriously and um I think especially from when I was told you know that maybe you know things would be easy <laughs> you know that um that I should be kind of grateful for you know the type of illness that I had I think and um, it really just kind of put things into perspective and um yeah I just think that's so important um and also to just be so you know I think when you're in a hospital um and you're seeing so many patients every day I think it's so important to also just treat people you know as people and to remember that you know it's not they're not just a patient they're not just you know an object they're a person at the end of the day and you know they have their lives at home and they have you know different worries and everyone has something going on and it's it's just so important to to I guess treat everyone with respect and you know to treat everyone as a human <laughs> yeah I certainly know that from my perspective um some of the things that I learned in the context of being a health professional as well was um we talk about like compassion for others is so important um but actually having the self-compassion for myself um yeah 
because as the person that is usually the the helper or the caregiver um uh being okay with the fact that i needed that myself and that i needed to kind of tend to my own needs going forward that that was really important lesson for me as you said the other thing that stands out to me is um this idea of of i wanted to be seen as not just a patient here but as a person and and to see that within all of the people that i encounter in my professional life uh, as a health professional and probably the the biggest thing of all was that um the focus on my own health and my own well-being being at the forefront of me being able to be effective in the care of others um and i think that translates no matter what workplace you're in that taking the space and time to reflect on your own health as it goes on day to day and your well-being and sort of self-care practices and so on and the things that are you doing that are bringing you energy because lots of things that we we do take our energy um that these these are really important to reflect on and especially for someone going through a cancer diagnosis what better way to do, to do it than with the with the mycan journal you know um stacy if people what go on sorry no i was gonna say that's so true and i think um it's kind of like you know when you're on an airplane and it's like you have to put your own mask on before you help someone else i think it's kind of it's kind of like that where if you don't look after yourself you can't really do the best for other people and you can't do the best in your job you know you you have to really look after yourself first um and I think being sick and like you know being unwell kind of I think that is something that I kind of took from it um I think I'm a lot more kind of kind to myself and you know I do kind of take the time out now to actually look after myself um because I think when you're young as well you can kind of think you're invincible and you can think you know you can kind of push yourself so much um even when you know that you need some time out um, and I think a lot of people do that when they're stressed especially when they're younger they kind of just keep going even though they know that they need a break um but I think when you do go through something like that I think you kind of do learn to be a little bit kinder to yourself and to take that time out when you need it um, and I think that is so important and yeah <laughs> and with that I'm going for a nap <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um <laughs> Stacy, where where can people go to find out more about you or to um or to get their hands on either the MyCan uh journal or the Chronic Illness Journal? Yeah, um both both of the journals are um on Amazon and on Etsy. So they can be ordered on there. Um and my Instagram page is Stacy underscore Broadish. Um so that's all available on there. Um, and I also run a page for um, young cancer survivors called um, Cancergram, which um, also has a load of information on going through cancer treatment and on, I guess, different tips and tricks that that helped um, some of us out during that time. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Stacey, I want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, it's a really exciting period for you as you transition from the placement to a professional job. The real um, world. <laughs> the, big, the big bad world. And um, I have no doubt that 
as you move forward uh, you'll continue to make waves in in the big ways and the little ways not just in your own life but in lots of people that you interact with so thank you so much thank you so much and thank you so much for having me thank you for joining us in this episode we spoke to stacy bradish about her cancer journey the work that she's doing to support others through her MyCan Cancer Planner, and about the role of creativity in her well-being during and after her cancer treatment. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace, the go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting and health and fitness.